As we begin our descent into the holiday season, many of us will likely be packing our bags and booking flights. Whether it be a quick getaway to unwind before the hustle and bustle that's waiting just around the corner, or a long haul trek back to our childhood homes, travel is almost certainly on the itinerary. These excursions are sure to be exciting for most of us. I mean, they don't call this the most wonderful time of the year for nothing. Although, depending on who you ask, these travel plans may be a bit more unnerving than they are joyous. And that, of course, brings us to this week's topic. I think it's safe to say that airports aren't exactly everyone's favorite place. Between security lines that run miles long, overcrowded if even disorganized baggage claim areas, and the ever-present anxiety that many of us experience in flight. Well, it goes without saying that air travel is far from a relaxing experience. But in the case of a select few airfields, these hassles come with a few haunts. In light of that, I think it's high time that we head to the airport to take in some sights, as well as some ghostly lore. So settle in, make sure that your seatback tray table is in the upright position, and that your aisle armrest is turned down. Oh, and don't forget to fasten your seatbelts. This one's sure to be a bumpy ride. I'm Courtney Hayes, and you're listening to Haunts. Stay tuned. Don't worry, the first stop on our trip through the world's most haunted airports is fortunately somewhere a bit warmer. Although this haunt doesn't exactly serve as a break from the winter cold. Because even here, on the prismatic island of Honolulu, there lies a rather chilling legend. Those traveling through the Daniel K. Inui International Airport call her the lady-in-waiting Described as a blonde woman in a white gown, the specter comes with a story that's really quite tragic. So the legend goes, the spirit was once a beautiful young woman, and as young women often do, she fell in love. Now, at least in the beginning, it seemed that her devotion was reciprocated by her lover. In fact, they even planned to be married, and for a moment, all seemed right in her world. That is, until the day came when she accompanied her fiancé to the airport. I guess he had plans to travel internationally, and for whatever reason, she would not be joining him. So the time passed slowly, and finally, the day of her fiancé's return flight had arrived. She made the short drive to the airport and waited anxiously for his return. So you can imagine her utter disappointment when the plane deboarded and he was nowhere in sight. Overcome with grief and resentment for her now ex-fiancé, she decided to take matters into her own hands. And so they say that this woman never left the Daniel K. Inouye International Airport. Instead, she is now often seen in her non-corporeal form, usually in restricted sections of the airport. Those who have encountered her say that she looks longingly out the window at the airfield, evidently waiting for her lover to finally return. 
It's a sad existence, no doubt about it. But if there's any consolation here, it's that the lady-in-waiting isn't doing so alone. Because Daniel K. Inui International is said to be haunted by a handful of spirits, each of which being more peculiar than the last. Aboard the Waikiki shuttle, for instance, passengers frequently recount encounters with a mysterious specter. Late at night, while the tram runs between terminals, a nondescript figure materializes at the rear of the car. In the shadows, the figure lurks, waiting for the perfect moment to spook weary travelers aboard the train. I know, based off of its description, this entity doesn't seem like the most friendly of welcoming parties. But even still, it's much more approachable than the third and final spirit that's supposedly haunting Daniel K. Inui International. You see, at least in my own opinion, there is a poltergeist roaming the halls of this airport. In fact, there are numerous reports from frightened travelers who have stopped in the washrooms after their flight, only to find toilet seats slamming against the porcelain and rolls of toilet paper flying across the room. If that wasn't eerie enough, then you may find this next tidbit to be a bit more chilling. Because, apparently, this entity likes to toy with those unfortunate enough to cross its path. Much like the beings we spoke about back in episode 44, the poltergeist of Daniel K. Inui International will supposedly sit on its victim's chest, causing the unmistakable sensation of being choked. Now, the locals say that this entity may not be a poltergeist after all, but rather a malevolent presence called Kanishibiri. According to one of my sources at least, this presence is one that haunts the entirety of the Hawaiian Islands, meaning that it very well could be making its rounds through Daniel K. Inui International Airport. I mean, for all we know, it may be lurking just behind us as we wait to board our next flight. First opening its doors in 1994, the Savannah Hilton Head International Airport plays host to more than 3 million travelers each year. Although stories of its hauntings date back even further, well before this airfield was used for commercial flights. At the start of the Second World War, this property was owned by the Dotson family. And while the estate as a whole was used for everything from farming to residential purposes, there was one distinct parcel that served a somewhat different function. You see, just six feet below what is now Savannah Hilton Head International, sits what should have been the final resting place of approximately 100 souls. Yes, you heard that right. This tract of land is the mass gravesite for several generations of the Dotson family. Or should I say it was? That is, until the Dotson's property was seized by the U.S. military, at which point most of the graves were churned up and moved to make way for a new air station, meaning that 98 of those 100 souls were awoken from their eternal slumber. Okay, so by now you're probably wondering, why only 98? What about the other two? Well, to be honest, that's where things go from eerie to downright unnerving. You see, 
The Dotsons had evidently struck a deal during the seizure of their land. Therein, they would allow the property to be used for military purposes, so long as the remains of the original property owners, Catherine and Richard Dotson, remained undisturbed. The request, of course, was a bit unorthodox, but from the military's perspective, it seemed like a pretty fair deal. So, in the end, they left the couple where they were lying and paved a runway right atop their graves. When the war ended, the air station's functionality changed ever so slightly, now hosting commercial flights instead of military aircraft, meaning that Richard and Catherine's graves are now the site of the second busiest airport in the entire state. I know, to me this all sounds like a recipe for disaster. I mean, disturbing 98 graves in and of itself is sure to incite some pretty bad karma, but to leave the remains of the original property owners, forcing them to watch as their beloved home is remodeled into an airport, well, something like that would be enough to wake the dead. Which, unsurprisingly, is exactly what happened. According to a myriad of pilots, flight attendants, and startled passengers, Catherine and Richard Dotson remain at the Savannah Hilton Head International Airport, both in a physical and a spiritual sense. If the stories are true, at least, the north side of the runway is haunted by two silhouetted specters. So the legend goes, if you were to fly into Savannah just as the sun begins to set, you will see Richard and Catherine standing there next to the tarmac, just above their long-forgotten graves. I guess you could argue that this is their way of welcoming the millions of travelers passing through this airport. Although I can't help but to think that this haunting may be an indication of the couple's bitter and never-ending unrest. After all, how could you rest peacefully with jets like this constantly flying overhead? Now, to those of you who have a fear of flying, be forewarned that our final stop may be somewhat anxiety-inducing. Because the history of Chicago's O'Hare International Airport is marked by a haunting tragedy. It was on the afternoon of May 25, 1979, when American Airlines Flight 191 departed from Chicago setting its course for LAX. It started out as a routine departure. 258 passengers were assisted aboard the DC-10 aircraft by a 13-man crew, who, I can imagine, went through all the pre-flight safety announcements. And all the while, they were blissfully unaware of the horrors that were about to ensue. You see, upon its takeoff, Flight 191 was subjected to a series of unfortunate and downright horrifying events. It all started when the engine, which was usually situated on the left side of the plane, detached itself from the wing. As it fell down to the tarmac below, the engine severed a set of hydraulic lines that locked the wing's letting edge slats in place. That, in turn, caused the slats to retract, 
just as the plane began to climb. Now, given the severity of the damage, the left side of the plane obviously struggled to keep up with the lift produced by the right wing. So, as Flight 191 continued with what would be a very short-lived journey, the aircraft began to tilt sideways, with the right wing lifting toward the sky. Of course, that trajectory wasn't exactly sustainable, so the aircraft began to descend, ultimately crashing in an open field near a mobile home park less than a mile from the runway. Tragically, there were no survivors. Today, American Airlines Flight 191 is known as the deadliest aviation accident to ever have occurred on American soil. And in the wake of that devastation, rumors of paranormal activity began to take shape. In the following months, locals began to notice oddities, both in the sky and in the field where the plane had crashed. In fact, on several occasions, the Des Plaines Police Station received calls from concerned motorists, who were claiming to have seen bobbing lights in that very field while driving along Route 72. Now, at first, these orbs are perceived to be the illumination of flashlights, a likely indication that local teens or the morbidly enthused were doing a bit of ghoulish sightseeing. However, when officers arrived at the crash site, they, of course, found no lights and no trespassers. Suffice it to say, things had become pretty eerie in the weeks following the incident. But for the residents of the adjacent mobile home park, this whole event was a waking nightmare, even from that very first night. You see, in the initial hours after the crash, residents throughout the neighborhood began to hear rapping sounds on their doors and windows. And yet, upon further investigation, they found that no one had come to their door. As the weeks passed, residents began to report erratic behavior from their pets. Looking out from their windows or from their front lawns, these dogs would bark aggressively in the direction of the field, almost as if they were attempting to alert their owners of an otherwise unseen presence. This sort of activity went on for months, seemingly with no rhyme or reason. And with each passing day, things were only getting worse. In fact, by the time that all was said and done, residents had reported encounters with the lost souls of Flight 191, who were evidently asking for help in finding their lost luggage. In the end, many residents felt that there was nothing they could do. Well, that is aside from vacating the premises entirely, ultimately giving up their homes to the phantom passengers of American Airlines Flight 191. And so, this apparent ghost town sits just one mile away from O'Hare International Airport. So we finally made it, and what a long journey it's been. 
But hey, at least now we can say that we have visited some of the most haunted airports in America, if even only in spirit. Of course, for most of us, this trip is far from over. I mean, the holiday travel season is only just beginning, and like it or not, time spent at the airport is likely unavoidable. Now, as an anxious flyer myself, I've developed a few, let's call them pre-flight rituals, to keep my nerves at bay. For instance, in the days leading up to any flight I take, I make a point to watch the first Final Destination movie. I know, watching a film centering around a deadly plane crash hardly seems like a comforting way to fend off any pre-flight jitters. But for whatever reason, it calms my nerves. Of course, I'm not the only one who maintains this sort of superstition. In fact, I'm sure that many of you complete your own traditions before boarding any flight. But in case you aren't as superstitious as I am, or even if you're just feeling a bit uneasy about your trip back to mom and dad's, here's a few precautions you can take for safe passage. Don't forget to tap the outside of the plane for good luck. Avoid seat number 13 whenever possible. Oh, and should you have a gut feeling about your current travel plans, maybe take a hint from Alex Browning and book a different flight. This episode of Haunts was written and produced by me, Courtney Hayes. If you've been enjoying the show so far, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a review. A lot of work goes into each episode, and supporting the show in this way really helps us reach more listeners each week. It's entirely free and takes about 30 seconds, and it would genuinely mean the world to me. Also, if you're interested in learning more about today's topic, I greatly encourage you to check out the show notes section on our website at hauntscast.com. This is the location where I share my sources and provide any visual aid that may be referenced during the show. Finally, I would love to connect with you online. You can find me on Instagram at hauntscast, or you can join our email list for updates about the show. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, happy haunting. <laughs>